Let's look to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to share together again around your word, to look into the book of Revelation as we continue this study. We pray for your spirit's anointing as we gather together, and I have gathered together, to focus on you and to focus on what you are saying to us, to transform our lives into your likeness. Through Christ we pray. Amen. As we continue this study of the book of Revelation, we recognize that we can go astray as we study this book. So we do not want to forget that the focus of the book of Revelation is the worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, we do not want to go out on a tangent and to set dates for when Christ will return. Let me share a couple highlights of persons who did go out on that tangent and set a date for Christ's return. After studying about the end times as portrayed in Daniel and Revelation, a group of Mennonites in Russia in the 1800s, led by Klaus Epp, were convinced that the return of Christ was evident. Some 500 to 1,000 Mennonites were persuaded that the biblical prophecies pointed to 1880 or to 1882 as the time of the fifth trumpet in Revelation. And as a result, they decided that they needed to be prepared as what they called the bride community when Christ would return. Dallas Weeb says, and I quote, the biblical numbers seem to fit together. Everywhere, revolution was destroying God's governments. The Antichrist reigned in the West, that is in France and America. The Jews were returning to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. But Russia was hospitable to believers, to Christians. A place of refuge was prepared for the bride community. So they sold everything and set out for Central Asia, end quote. So in 1880 and 1881, a total of five wagon trains of Mennonite pilgrims embarked on this great trek to leave their homeland and to go to Central Asia. And they were sure that Christ would return at this time and that they, as the bride community, as they called themselves, would, that he would return there in Central Asia and that they would be prepared then and be ready for Christ to take them home. They endured many hardships, many travails as they went by wagon train on this journey. And as they did this, an internal strife also developed among the group. And finally, two, the group split in two. And one of the leaders of the dissident group, Jacob Taves, led 
this, this, these dissidents to America where he settled near Newton, Kansas. So we do not want to go off on a tangent as we study the book of Revelation. But I suggest that it is important to, as believers that we not avoid the books of Daniel and Revelation and that we need to include this in our teaching and in our preaching and study of the word. They're part of the biblical canon and important reasons as to why they are a part of that. But let us not embrace for our teachings on this, the end times. And if you want to read more about the great trek of this group of pilgrims, you can do that by getting a copy of the book by that same title, The Great Trek. And it is still available on Amazon. So this morning, we continue with our series on strength and hope from the book of Revelation. We would agree, I think, that our world is messed up, that our world is in turmoil, including our own nation, and that we need to be reassured and can be reassured as we study this book that God is aware and that God is at work in this messed up world and that God is at work in our own country. We need to be aware that God is at work in the tumultuous happenings around the world. Now, in his vision of Revelation, in Revelation 4, John then, as he has this vision on the Lord's Day, as he says in Revelation 1, he is invited by the angel with a trumpet vo voice. One of the angels is identified who has a trumpet voice. And he's invited then to come through the door into heaven. And this uh, is the answer, or these are the answers to the first notes of the fill-in-the-blanks. If you, you may want to take notes, and uh, there are some fill-in-the-blanks that may help you um, learn that way and as we study this particular passage. In Revelation 4, John says, At once I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne, with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. So John had a vision of God, a vision of God who is seated on the throne, and he says God looks like, or the one seated, and notice he doesn't, out of respect and reverence and awe, he doesn't mention who it is, or he doesn't mention God's name, out of respect for that name. But he says he looks like Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne is a rainbow. So the Jasper is a symbol of purity and of the holiness of God. Carnelian, then, is a reddish-brown mineral that's found near Sardis, and that may be a symbol of the wrath of God. So a symbol of the purity and holiness, and in contrast to the, the red-brown, a symbol of the wrath 
and the vengeance of God. One artist depicts it like this. The throne, the notice the elders, we, we haven't talked about them yet, but there, notice the, there's a green rainbow, it doesn't show up too, too clearly, but a green aura, a haze around the throne, the, the rainbow. And the rainbow is a reminder that God is merciful. You recall the story of the flood and after the flood, God sent the rainbow as a symbol of the, this flood that God will never again destroy the earth. A reminder of the, the mercy and the grace of God. As the psalmist says in Psalm 146, 8, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to, ang- to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. So notice that here in the very centerpiece of heaven, here in the presence of God, is a symbol of the mercy and the grace of God because the rainbow is around God's throne, a symbol of the mercy and the compassion and the grace of God. So that all of us, as we stand before God and as we come before God in his presence, when God calls us into his presence, we also will experience the grace and the mercy of God. A constant reminder of the symbol of the rainbow that God is filled with mercy and that God is filled with compassion. And then around the throne of God, there were 24 elders, each seated on a golden throne in front of God. And there were seven flaming torches which are symbols of the, spirit, the seven spirits of God, and the seven is the number for, for completion or the number of perfection. And here, this, these seven spirits represent the Holy Spirit, which is part of God, or the, the presence of God. Um, and here in, in heaven, the seven spirits are a symbol of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus sent after he, um, after he departed, ascended into heaven. Also, around the throne, John saw four living creatures that he identifies, and he describes them, and they are offering a continuous chant to God. And they're saying to the one on the throne, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Meanwhile, the 24 elders were worshiping God as they cast their crowns before the throne, and they too sang to the one seated on the throne. And they sang, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So that's the importance or the important aspects of chapter 4. And now we're ready to look in more detail at chapter 5. And 
what we can glean from that as we focus on the disappearing lion and the ever-present lamb. The disappearing lion and the ever-present lamb. And I've asked Anna Nolt to read the scripture, uh, the entire chapter, which is 14 verses, Revelation 5, 1 to 14. Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands in 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. 
the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Thank you very much, Anna. The book of Revelation is a book of worship. Here is this, this vision that, that John has, a vision of a scroll that's sealed with seven seals. A scroll is a narrow sheet of parchment that can be tightly, tightly rolled. And here there is no one able to open this sealed parchment. And this may symbolize the final wrap-up of history, or it may symbolize also the human condition, the modern, simple, uh, sinful condition. And as the search for someone to open this scroll, as that search continued, John says, I wept and I wept, because no one, they could find no one qualified to open this seal. He was convinced that the destiny of humanity was lost and that a redeemer would not be found to open this scroll. And then there's this dramatic turn of events in heaven. An elder confronted John with the news that indeed someone was qualified, someone was found who was able to open the scroll. Revelation verse 5, he says, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. So John saw a person who was given two titles, the lion of the tribe of Judah and also the root of David. Now the lion in Scripture, in the Old Testament, the lion is a symbol of victory, a symbol of military conquest. And Jesus is the conquering king who comes forth and is able to be victorious. This refers to Jesus as the conqueror, the one who defeats the mighty powers of the enemy of the evil one. Now, the root of David refers back to Isaiah in Isaiah 11, verse 1, where the kingly line of David was visualized as a tree that had fallen, and a shoot will come from that tree, and that will be the Lord Jesus Christ. But, wait a minute. John does not see a lion. John the image is turned on its head because John, when he, what he sees in heaven, rather than seeing the lion, John sees a lamb that looks like the lamb had been slain, had been slaughtered, a lamb who was victorious, a lamb who had experienced death and was resurrected from the dead. John did not see John did not see a conquering king with a sword in his hand. Instead, the vision revealed a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered. One artist pictures it, it this way. A lamb standing as if it had been slain. 
It's significant that the word lamb is used 26 times in this book, in the book of Revelation. 26 times as a symbol for Christ. And the word lion, and that's why I titled my message this way, Disappearing Lion, because the lion is used only in this verse in the book of Revelation. And after the lamb took the scroll, the angelic choirs of heaven sang a new song with wonderful worship and praise to God, to the Lamb of God, where they sing, this angelic host sing, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed for God, saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests, serving our God and they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the lamb that has been slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Now some scholars go through many details and look at each of the the um, the seals as the seals are opened and what the events that take place in heaven and describe what those might mean. But I would suggest, I suggest that the primary event in the book of Revelation is indeed this vision right here in chapter 5. The vision that it is a slain lamb who had the authority and the power to open the seals. As I emphasized earlier, this book is a book of worship. Worship and adoration to the sacrificial Lamb of God. The heavenly choirs sang of the ransom that Christ provided. The ransom that Christ provided to redeem from every kind of people, tribe and nation and language, to redeem for God. A number of years ago, during the last year of President Jimmy Carter's presidency, Iran took a number of Americans hostage, and then there were ransom demands by the government of Iran, and stated that if those demands would be met, then the hostages would be released. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Jesus is the only one who has the authority to break the seals of the scroll and to bring freedom from sin and guilt. Jesus, the Christus victor, Jesus is the one who has the authority and the power to help us live a transformed life, to live victoriously without following the enemy. Jesus gives us hope to face the future. 
Jesus is the one who gives us victory over sin. Timothy McVeigh received the death penalty for his part in the Oklahoma City bombing some years ago where 168 people were killed. Our justice system is built on justice. And when there is wrong, the offender must pay, must suffer the consequences. We would not expect the judge to forgive Timothy McVeigh. And if he did so, he would lose his position as judge. But here, we discover in Scripture that the Lamb of God, the judge, did indeed, the judge of the universe and the judge of all the people, did indeed take our place and we are forgiven. We are set free from the penalty of our sins. David Shank suggests this example. Imagine the judge in McVeigh's trial announcing that justice required a death penalty for Mr. McVeigh. And then imagine the judge getting up from the bench and walking over to the defendant and saying, I love you. I will take your place. You are free to go. And then imagine the innocent judge would indeed be crucified. That's what Christ has done so that we can go free. Christ has called us also to follow him in suffering and to follow him even unto death. It is not the lion. It is the lamb that is the predominant image in the book of Revelation. Lauren Johns, who has studied this in detail, says, quote, But the Lamb stands triumphant, raised from the dead. Essential to a proper understanding of the book's rhetoric is the recognition that the Lamb has triumphed in his death and resurrection. Not that the Lamb will triumph in the future, subsequent to his death and resurrection. A close reading of the text, Lauren says, supports this important distinction. Not that he will in the future, but that he did triumph. In Revelation, the peaceful lamb is the conqueror and the vulnerable lamb is really victorious. Revelation thus redefines victory and conquest in terms of suffering and death, end of quote. So we, too, are called to live in costly reconciliation and to suffer even as the Lamb has suffered. Back in the 1950s, there was a civil war that took place in the nation of Kenya where the Mama were fighting for independence from the British. But there were Christians in Kenya who were known as followers of the Lamb because they refused to fight. They took an active role in peacemaking and stood between the groups that were fighting, and many, indeed, these followers of the Lamb were martyred. David Shank from this area, 
who has worked for a number of years as administrator for Eastern Mennonite Missions, rode his Honda cycle back into the area. And there he met one of these people of the Lamb. Heshbon's face was creased with a horrible scar from the knife slashes that he received when the villagers tried to kill him during the time of violence. And David asked, why did you refuse to defend yourself with a gun or a knife? Heshbon responded to David very slowly. And he said, in our traditional religion, when there is hostility, we killed a reconciliation goat, and we ate it together, and after that, we had to live in peace. And then he continued telling David, and this is on the PowerPoint, he continued, Jesus is the Lamb of God. At the communion table, we eat bread and drink wine, symbols of his reconciliation sacrifice when he was crucified. That means I can never do violence against anyone for whom Christ has given his life as a reconciliation sacrifice. If in the past we sought peace through eating the sacrificial goat, how much more reconciliation is established when we have participated in the communion of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God? Therefore, I can never be violent against another person for whom Christ died. Therefore, I can never be violent against another person for whom Christ died. End of quote. John was able to stop weeping because one was found. The Lamb of God was found to open the scrolls. Jesus, the Lamb who was dead and is now resurrected. Jesus, the one who had conquered sin and death, the only one qualified to open the scroll, all the seals of the scroll. He, the resurrected Christ, the lamb who was slain, gives us the power to live a transformed life. Jesus, the one conquered because he suffered and died and was resurrected from the dead. The main image of Christ in the book of Revelation is not a violent head of armies, but instead the suffering lamb of God. We too, as modern-day disciples of the lamb, we too, like Heshbon, are called to reject violence against all people for whom Christ died. Amen. May it be so.